and welcome to SoundingTheLight.com. I am so excited that you're here today. I'm excited that I'm here today. It's the first official podcast interview. My name is Tara Tucker, and I have got some really great guests to interview today. We will get to more of that a little bit later. Before I introduce them, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself and why I started SoundingTheLight.com and and what I hope to accomplish with it. Uh, First of all, again, my name is Tara Tucker. I am a singer-songwriter and a composer. I love writing all different kinds of music. You know, a lot of it just depends on uh, project and timing and and whatever I happen to be into at the time. So uh, I I seem to be in more of a singer-songwriter phase these days. And uh, I've actually been working on my second album that I'm going to be completing hopefully very soon. Music is a really huge part of my life. In fact, when I was dating my, uh, well, who is now my husband, when we were dating, um, boy, little did he know, that when I told him that I was actually a walking note, that I was being dead serious. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that I'm, you know, like our bodies are made of like 90% water or something. I think I'm about 75 or 80% music. <laughs> and then whatever else the rest of me is, I, you know, I don't know. But aside from that, um, you know, music is a big part of my life, but I am also a wife and a mother of two just <laughs> just cuties. They are the love of my life. I know that God gives children to us to teach and to train and to love and to, you know, just take care of. But I believe that he gave these children to me not only for all of that, and I do, um, but I'm telling you what, they, they teach me something new just about every day, <laughs> either about a whole different perspective of how to look at life or teaching me things about them and their little minds and the way they think, um, teaching me a lot about myself and a lot of things that, that I think and, you know, ways that I can improve and, and just whole different ways of seeing things. I, I love it. It's been a ride. So aside from my music writing, um, I'm also homeschooling my kids, and um, (laughs) that's been a whole adventure, Uh, one that I never really expected to do, but it's something that God has led me into, and, and he's given me grace to do it, and... I'm I'm learning a bunch and I'm actually really enjoying it. So it's it's been a great thing. So let me talk a little bit about Sounding the Light since we are all here today. Pretty much any radio station that that you listen to, you know, if you you flip it on to anything, if it's Christian, if it's secular, most of the time you're going to hear top 40 stuff. And I mean there's a reason why top 40 is top 40. You know, they're good songs, they're catchy songs, they're, you know, they have something that appeals to a lot of people. It's great. But um and especially where Christian music is concerned, I don't always just want to hear the top 40 stuff. I want to hear the, you know, the the other things that that are on the same CD maybe that we never get to hear. I want to hear more about the artist themselves, you know, the people who are writing this stuff and performing it, where it comes from. I want to hear more backstories of the songs. So that is what uh, I am endeavoring to do on Sounding the Light is just to to open up that whole world back there, you know, kind of behind the curtain, just seeing into the lives of these artists and being able to connect with music that we may not be able to hear on the radio either because it is 
you know, not top 40, or maybe because it is a whole different style than what is, you know, the 90% of mainstream. Beyond the music, though, everyone has a story. Everyone has a testimony. Everyone has a place that they've come from in life that, especially as a singer-songwriter or musician, that's going to bleed through into the songs that they write. So we are all a part of the family of God, part of the body of Christ. But because of the different experiences that have shaped and molded each one of us, that is what is also going to shape the music that each artist writes. You know, it's it's like a diamond. If If you don't have the different cuts in the stone, when you shine a light through a diamond that isn't cut, I mean, it glows and it's pretty, but man, you make those cuts in it and you get all those different angles You shine that light through it, and it's going to sparkle. You get rainbows. It's gorgeous. That's the color that, that comes through the light. When the light shines through each one of us with our different backgrounds and our different walks in life, it's beautiful. So that's what that's what sounding the light is. I just want to celebrate the light that is shining through each of these artists in their stories and in their music. So the artist that I want to introduce today, it's a band called The Great Reversal. They are a husband and wife team named Norman and Lisa Garcia. They are extremely talented musicians. They have a couple of albums out already, one in English and one in Spanish. But they are also beautiful examples of the love of Christ. They have adopted a total of nine children. Uh, They're just people who really have a passion for truly living out the words of Jesus. And it's really beautiful. I I can't wait to get into that with them a little bit later on. Their music is very deep and powerful and rich, and uh, their their voices are great. (laughs) Some of their music has, has really fun sort of 60s vibe, just like the one that is I'm just about to play. This one is called So Amazing. It is from their album titled Prodigal's Return. Lover of my heart Reminds me with your kindness And all the world just seems to fade away Only you Pursue me with your love Coming by surprise Nothing can ever take love away It's so amazing, so amazing, so amazing
I would like to uh, introduce Norman and Lisa Garcia. Welcome, you two. How are you? Great. Hi. Thanks for having us. Oh, thanks so much for being on. I um, I know that you guys have a very busy schedule, and of course, we will talk about that a little bit later on in the interview. So, um, <laughs> knowing a little bit about that after having you know read your bio and spoken with you a little bit, uh, I'm just very pleased that you guys took time to to come on here and and talk with me. Well, sure, our pleasure. Can you talk a little bit about um, Prodigal's Return? Is was is this your first album? It's our first album together. Mm-hmm. Um, Norman has been uh, writing songs and producing songs in uh, a studio, like a home studio, long before we got together and and made a couple of Spanish albums. But then after we got married and we were leading worship together. Um, we, we were writing some songs together, co-writing, and decided to produce some, and that was our this was our first album together. And I also noticed your other album, Ven Libre, is actually some of your favorites from Prodigal's Return. Is that right? Correct. Yes, it's the um, EP version in Spanish of the uh, first um, more popular song, I would say, from Prodigal's Return. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I really like both of what I've heard on both of them. Really, really great songs. So, um, what is your earliest musical memory? Um, you know, I'd, I'd like you both to, to answer this question. Well, earliest, earliest. I mean, our family wasn't, you know, walking with the Lord as I was raised. So, we were, you know, my parents heavily with the Beatles and <laughs> Fleetwood Mac and... Um, the monkeys, uh, Bill, Billy Joel, <laughs> and Elton John. But my my favorite memory—I mean, the the biggest memory I have, the youngest I can go back—is just singing nonstop Jackson Five stuff. You know, singing and dancing in the living room to Jackson Five and that little Michael Jackson. I just love his little song. grooving right there. <laughs> yeah, so that's my earliest. If you're asking for the earliest, that's the uh-huh. earliest I could. That's awesome. Mine will be in Argentina, where where I'm from originally, and I grew up in a, a musical family. My dad played the violin, and my uncle the accordion, and so forth. And um, my dad also was a pastor, and he he got invited uh, one time to an event, uh, and he he didn't have much time, but quickly to assemble a, mm-hmm. a little band, and I, I might be like seven years old, mm-hmm. and. Um, he found me a place. Um, I was playing the congas, and um, <laughs> that was my early, I will say, a memory of being involved in music. And other than that, you know, just growing in the house with classical music and 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 all that. I wasn't that exposed to worldly stuff like Lisa mm-hmm. until later on, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can actually hear some. It's funny, Lisa, that you talk about you know the Beatles and stuff being part of your, you know, earliest musical memories, because I can hear some of that influence in uh, songs like So Amazing. Um, and uh, yeah. that's, that's part of what drew me to it. It's like, man, you know, we this is just so, it's got that sort of raw quality to it, but it's telling yeah. the story of, you know, something beautiful. So <laughs> really, really. Yeah, that, that, and that's, that uh, Beatles, is, I'll have to give most of the credit to Norman, because even though he didn't grow up little like I was listening to Beatles, when he was a teenager, he got into the Beatles, and he taught himself piano, he taught himself guitar, and really? he learned all the Beatles songs. He loved the Beatles <laughs> music, and so 
pretty much any song he writes, it has a Beatles feel to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I will say I was blessed also being, you know, in Argentina. It's like, I didn't speak English. I didn't know what they were saying. Thank God. <laughs> uh, but I got the, the musical, uh, really got into the music. And, and the Beatles are a big part of, of my history, I would say. Well, mm -hmm. how long has it been since you've been speaking English? Because you speak incredibly well. Oh, no, thank you for the compliment. <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. I mean, especially my kids. It, it, you know, they're always mocking me around and <laughs> making fun of my accent. Teasing, teasing, <laughs> not, not, not that See, bad. That's an example of that. <laughs> um, but I've been here since, uh, in the States since 1989. Um, okay. So it's been quite a while. Wow, yes, it has been. <laughs> It has been so. It you know, was funny when our when our three year old started. You know, he was our first child we adopted, and uh -huh. he was three, and he started noticing that Norman wasn't saying things the right way. He started correcting. <laughs> so that, that'll be a big confidence really boost, right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow, that's funny. Uh, so, since we're talking about, you know, earliest memories and musical influences and all of that, um, uh, when when did you guys first, you know, individually, I'm sure, but when did you guys meet Jesus? When did he become, you know, part of the influence of, of what you started writing in your music? Okay, well, um, like I mentioned before, I, I grew up in a Christian family. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that, you know, I was instantly saved, but um, I was exposed to... Uh, to the gospel and to the good news of salvation early in my um, childhood. But um, I remember my early memory would be when I was um, 10 years old. Um, my dad was preaching, and, and I felt a conviction in my heart that I needed a Savior. Mm -hmm. And that, that was, um, even though, you know, I was the the pastor song, the guy who knew all the verses, memorized and everything mm -hmm. by heart. Um, uh, that that experience, I would say, at 10 years old, um, I remember uh, just touching my heart and, and, you know, surrendering and giving my heart to the Lord. And I, I recognized that I needed a Savior, even at, at that early age, mm -hmm. that, you know. Um, and then, obviously, you know, it's, it's like a process. Salvation to me, it was like a process that I need to grow, grow, and then on my actual um, um, surrendering completely uh, to the uh, to the Lord's Lordship. Um, it was around 16 years old. And um, for me, we I was raised Catholic, but we weren't really practicing. We never went to church, never did any of the classes. I didn't know the Bible. My parents didn't know the Bible at all. And my mom um, met a Messianic Jewish lady who started opening up the scriptures to her and revealing things to my mom that she had never heard in all her years of being a Catholic school. She <laughs> just didn't know mm -hmm. the scriptures. And so we started um, attending an Assembly of God church. And, and I can't say that I... I don't remember an exact moment, really, of, you know, turning my life to the Lord, but it, I remember different periods of time, and, and especially, you know, as as an adult, that's when, you know, I felt like, 
You have to live for Jesus, mm-hmm. be his disciple. It's not enough to just say, oh, I'm, I believe, you know, Jesus is God's son and he died for my sins and I confess my sins and that's it. You know, I'm saved mm-hmm. by the grace of God. You have to, you know, you, you should want to give your life for God, live your life for God, follow after Jesus, you know, strive to, to be like him. And that just, you know, happened in our lives over a, over a period of time. So where did you uh, grow up? I know that, um, you know, Norman, you grew up in Argentina. Where did you grow up, Lisa? Um, we grew up in New York and New Jersey. I grew up in New York and New Jersey. Okay. So how did you guys make it to the Atlanta area? Well, I, um, when my uh, father came to Basra here uh, in Atlanta, um you know, he he, he got invited um, by my uncle. Actually, he was a pastor here. He still is, and he uh, made a petition and and for the whole family. And we applied for the visa mm-hmm. and waited for around three years, three and a half years, and finally flew over all the way to Atlanta from from Cordoba, wow. Argentina, and and I loved the city and made Atlanta my home since then. Never moved. And for me, it was in um, 96, I moved down here um, to be near my sister. She had moved here mm-hmm. um, before me. So I moved down here to be near her and just loved the weather. I was tired of the cold. <laughs> I, I lived in Pennsylvania at that point, and I was just always cold, couldn't get warm, lived in an old house with those, like, radiator heaters, <laughs> and you had to, like, actually sit on them to feel warm or take a hot bath. That was the only way you could feel warm all winter, and I was just tired of it. And I came down here, and it was just so beautiful. It looked like you're on vacation all the time when you look around. It's like you just feel like you're on vacation. It's just so much prettier, and the sky is so blue. So I've been down, been down here ever since. Well, from someone who has never lived up north, that's that's really funny because, you know, a lot of times me and my husband are just like, man, you know, if we could only have winters that are cold and we get snow and, <laughs> and here well, I'm hearing I it from miss a- the snow. <laughs> I, I do love snow and I do miss the snow. So, you know, we, we always go up at Christmas time and try to get some snow for <laughs> the kids. Um, but it was just too cold for too long up mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. So since you guys are from, you know, practically two opposite <laughs> ends there, you know, quite north well, and quite south, world. how did you guys meet? Um, we met through church. We, um, we met through uh, just doing some projects together through churches, doing some events, some ministry events. We got hooked together in, in some ministry events, um, some Spanish Carlos ministry events. Came and we were like asked to lead worship. Okay. Right, and and that's how we met. And then after, um, when we you know started uh, getting you know, engaged, we went to a Spanish church together, and and we're leading worship there. Did you take classes of Spanish or anything, Lisa? How did you learn Spanish? Well, my father is Cuban, but he never really spoke Spanish to us. But my but his family spoke Spanish, mm-hmm. and so I had a, I I knew a lot of it. I have it kind of in in me to just. <laughs> remembering the vocabulary. I did take it in school and in college, um, but I didn't really start getting better at it until after we met and I started practicing and and studying on my own, just mainly studying vocabulary and trying to memorize. That's that's funny because as 
as good as, you know, Norman, as good as you speak English, Lisa, when I hear you sing in Spanish, it's like you've been, you know, singing in Spanish your entire life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the best thing about my Spanish is my accent. Mm-hmm. So when I when I speak the little Spanish I know, I can speak it with a perfect accent, and then people start speaking to me like, blah, 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 super, super fast because they think I'm fluent. <laughs> and then I try to stop them and tell them that I don't understand what they're saying. And then they look at me like, what? You know, how can you not, you, you speak perfectly. So my accent's a lot better than my vocabulary. <laughs> you may not know They're what you're saying, but at least it sounds good. <laughs> exactly. I can read, I can read Spanish perfectly and I can spell it really well. <laughs> I might not know exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> well, exactly. um, since we're talking about Spanish and, you know, singing Spanish songs, uh, I'm going to go ahead and introduce your song from, uh, it's actually the title track of your Ven Libre um, album, which we now know was, uh, you know, from some of the songs from uh, Prodigal's Return. Can you talk about Ven Libre a little bit? Is this the one that is uh, Come Dancing in English? Yes, this is Come Dancing. We translated it into Spanish. Really, this is one song you know, most of the time when we're working on songs, we labor over things, mm-hmm. we go over, we fix, we rewrite, you know, you, you, you take a while working on it to perfect it and get it how you want. Mm-hmm. But this song was totally different. We were driving in the car somewhere, I was just sitting in the passenger seat, and all of a sudden this song came to me, and I really feel like God just put it in me, because it's a song being, like, really a message, it's like God singing to the people, mm-hmm. it's like a message from God, it's not us singing to God, it's God singing to the people, and I just got this song in my mind, and I got a piece of paper and a pencil, and I just started writing it, and just, just the idea, it just, like, came one line after another, after another, after another, in, like, I don't know, less than 10 minutes, just the whole song. Wow. And then it was done. We never had to fix anything. Wow. We never had to fix anything. I just sang it for Norman, how I heard it in my head. Because I always hear the tune in my head, but I don't necessarily like know exactly what chords they are. Mm-hmm. I just sang it for him, and he made the arrangement, the musical arrangement. And that was our fastest song that we've <laughs> ever written. Because I think, you know, it's just a message from God. That's beautiful. That he wanted to share with people. Is it difficult to translate, you know, songs that are written in English into Spanish, or was it? Did it flow pretty easily? Um, it's a it's a serious art to translate mm-hmm. songs because you definitely have to be willing to change the meaning a little bit so that musically it sounds good. Because most of the time when we hear translations, we just like want to cover our eyes and like, oh my god, that's <laughs> terrible. It's like they make a literal, they make a literal translation, and it sounds so cheesy in Spanish. It doesn't sound beautiful anymore. Mm-hmm. Be- and also, Spanish has many more syllables than English, so you have to simplify it in Spanish because you can't say as much. You can say more words in English because they're shorter syllables, and you have to use less words in Spanish because the words are longer. Mm-hmm. And then if you want it to rhyme, so really you're taking, you're taking a melody and you're taking wow. the meaning and you're trying to stay as close to the meaning as possible. But if you lock yourself into making it a literal translation, you're going to have a really like subpar song, mm-hmm. not going to be a good song. So you're kind of rewriting a song with a lot of inspiration from the English and trying to keep it as close as possible. So the, the title, Ven Libre, is that, 
come and be free, or, or what is that? Yes, yeah, is libre is is come free, like like be free, come free, be free, and and in English it's come, come dancing. dancing. Yes, but if we said come dancing, it would be um, ven danzando. And, then <laughs> and that doesn't really flow. <laughs> the syllables wouldn't fit. You can't be like, Ven danzando. <laughs> but a lot of translators would make it that way. Just mm-hmm. make it a literal translation, and then it doesn't feel right. It doesn't fit. So, you know, we have to change the words. Well, that gives me a whole new respect for translators then. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, uh, yeah, let's let's go ahead and listen to at least part of Ven Libre. It's a beautiful song. Uh, listeners, I hope you enjoy this. En libre, cansando, sintiendo de nuevo mi mano en ti, Again, I am speaking with Norman and Lisa Garcia of The Great Reversal. So do uh, you guys have a specific theme or direction um, of ministry? Really, our hearts are, are really with exhorting the body of Christ to really walk in the, in the things of God, walk in holiness, walk after God, you know, seek after the Lord, be a disciple of Christ. It's not, you know, music is not our number one thing, and then we just fit in the Christian message in there. Really, our our number one passion is is like calling out to the body of Christ. You know, because the church, in our opinion, is so worldly. It's mm-hmm. so much like the world, with just a little bit of, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. You know, I believe He died for my sins, but everything else just like the world, there's not really any difference. And so our, our hearts are really to speak to the body of Christ, to rise up and be disciples of Jesus, you know, be passionate for God. Don't, don't be like the world, you know, wash yourself from the world and live in a different culture, the culture of the kingdom of God. And part of that for us, too, is a, is a call to the body of 
Christ to adopt the fatherless, because there are 20 million, I mean, there's way more million orphans than that, but there's 20 million orphan children who are legally free for adoption. Many There's many more wow. orphans that are not adoptable for many reasons. Mm-hmm. But as far as, you know, can be adopted legally free, you can do the process, there's 20 million, and there's way more Christian families in the world than 20 million. Mm-hmm. And just breaks our heart that so many children languish in orphanages and you see the neglect and the the living conditions that they have. And when Christians are all over the world, you know, living their lives, buying their food, buying their clothes, doing their sports, and there's children without parents, I feel like that's our responsibility. Mm-hmm. So that's part of our our vision, passion that we talk about whenever we minister. Tell me about how that has affected you guys. Uh, You know, personally, you guys have not just, you know, read about it and kind of talk the talk. You guys are, you guys are actually walking the walk. Can you tell me a little bit about um, your, you know, your experience with adoption? Um, Yeah, well, I, um, I had a previous marriage before meeting Norman, and when I was 22, my husband then at the time and I um, did foster care and brought in two girls, five and six, and they were with us for three years, and then we adopted them. So when I met Norman, I had um, my girls, they were probably 15 and 16 at the time that I met him, and he had three children, and, and so... We were working, you know, raising a blended family, and then as they grew older and kind of moved out of the house, we were empty nesters in our late 30s. We -hmm. had no more kids in the house, and um, at first we thought, you know, this is this is nice. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Lord, (laughs) right? (laughs) And we can really get into our music, and we were writing songs all the time. You know, that's what we spent our hours doing: Mm -hmm. writing music besides working, of course. And um, then we, with our church, we went on a 40-day fast wow. where we were praying for justice in America, justice, you know, for the unborn, uh, praying against abortion, and um, for sex slavery and, and all mm-hmm. these injustices. And yes. Mm-hmm. So we were praying and praying, and we were doing the, the fast as liquids for 40 days. And during that time of prayer, we just got convicted that, you know, it's not just all about abortion, 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 because Christians will stand up with signs and don't cover abortion, and, and I'm completely anti-abortion. I wrote a book against it, so it's not like I'm saying that's not important, but mm-hmm. if Christians are going to be so anti-abortion, they, they have to be willing to adopt children who are not wanted, because what good is it for us to say, don't abort the children, but then we don't want to take them, mm-hmm. you know? And we got... I don't know, we got convicted, stirred up in our hearts that, you know, we're still young. We we have a big house with lots of rooms. Our kids are grown. There's a lot of older waiting children waiting in foster care who who don't, um, you know, who, who don't have parents, who has, whose parental rights have been terminated. Hmm. And um, so we just felt like that's what we needed to do, sign up for, you know, to adopt older children. So we went through Bethany Christian Services, and got all the information, started the process, and here we are, what, 
so that was a, we started our first adoption was in 2009 mm-hmm. and now uh 5 years later we have seven kids wow <laughs> that's not including the two that like grew up and out no, that's not including, <laughs> including our it. five, we have 12. Wow. I would love children. to be a fly on the wall during Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was saying, the story, um, how everything started with, with the little one, um, is, is quite, you know, uh, something interesting, how the Lord orchestrated the whole thing. He, he spoke to us and told us that he would be, um, you know, blessing us. Um, giving us um, a child and, and, and to spread it out. Even we got a, a, a church and, you know, work knowledge and speaking over us. And um, if, if spread you spread out your tent. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and actually, when we first got David, he was 13 months. 13, 13 months, months, yeah. Months. Can that expand on that, maybe? Well, the first, at the first, um, adoption meeting we went to, the lady was very, um, kind of like aggressive, and she's telling everybody at the meeting, if you're here for a baby, you're at the wrong place. This is older child adoption. This is not for babies. Um, We don't try to find you a baby. We try to find the best family for the children who need families, and you're in an older child adoption class which is what we were looking for anyway. We weren't looking for a baby. Mm-hmm. But then our first placement, our caseworker called us and said, they have a 13-month-old baby, and the caseworker picked you guys, is interested in you guys to, to be his parents. So that was just so ironic. And the other ironic thing was that the very month that the Lord put it on our hearts to adopt. That was October 2008. Mm-hmm. We got him in October, um, no, uh, November 2009. So he was born in October 2008, the oh, same month goodness. that God put it on our hearts to adopt. It was the, the month that our, our son was born. Wow. Yeah, and then we got him a year later. That's pretty, that's awesome. Yeah, and then um, I think what Norma was saying about the, the Lord told us the next, year, we decided to sign up again for older child adoption, because mm-hmm. that's what we, you know, committed to doing, not just babies. And we were asked about a sibling group. At first, it was a sibling group of five, but defects ended up splitting them up. Hmm. But anyway, long story short, it was a sibling group of five, and we didn't know what to do. And we were, like, debating, that's too much. Can we do it? No, I don't think we can. Yeah, we should. Just... <laughs> turmoil, not knowing what to do. And I was in bed, just couldn't sleep. And I said, I need, I'm just going to get up and, and pray. So I got up, I went to my living room, I turned on my lamp and I opened the Bible. And I, I don't believe that you should just always open the Bible and read whatever. And that's the word for you. But that <laughs> Yeah, that night, could be dangerous. <laughs> I know. Exactly. <laughs> That night, I did that. I just opened up the Bible. I said, Lord, just speak to me. And I opened up my Bible to Isaiah. I forget even what the scripture was. It was Isaiah 58 or something. And I read, all your children will be taught of the Lord, and great will be the peace of your children. And <laughs> immediately after I finished reading the verse, the light went out. It like it like popped off and left me in the dark. It was like God was saying, that's it. That's the word. Mm. The light is out. 
and it just gave me so much peace that God was going to be with us. And, and like I said, DFAC ended up splitting up the sibling group, so we only got three of the children. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it is amazing that the Lord has put so much peace in this home, even with the seven kids. There's this peace over all of the children and over our family. And, and I know it's it's all God, you know, His anointing over the whole thing, because yes. He loves adoption. That's His part. He has adopted us. Yes. You know, that that's His whole part of, of what He's done for us, made us joint heirs with Jesus, you know? Yes. And we're just trying to do the same thing for, for children who need families. Wow, I love hearing that. So you also have, um, is it a couple children from, is it Bulgaria? Yes, I'm um, native three ch- uh, boys, they're from Bulgaria. We got them last year, last June. Um, it was such um, a process because, um, you know, you have to fly months um, here and get to meet them and then, you know, come back um, after you get all the paperwork mm-hmm. um, Five months later, we flew over and 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 we got them. Um, uh, those these new three kids, they they have some special needs, um, but it's like um, incredible how the Mora has blessed them, uh, put the anointing on them, and um, they truly um, that we were saying the other day with Lisa, it's like um, more than a, we being a blessing to them, it's like they are a blessing mm-hmm. to us. Well, wow, that's lovely. Yeah, I mean the the anointing that God has put on these boys, they, how they love to pray. I mean, mm-hmm. they, since they came home, they were so interested in praying and praying, praying. They pray for people. They lay hands on people and pray for them. Wow. They want to pray everywhere. People people are almost in tears when when they hear the boys pray. They're very humble. They're so appreciative. They're gentle spirited. I mean. Growing up in, in an orphanage, you know, it has its disad- huge disadvantages and with the neglect. Mm-hmm. But when you when you take the children out of there, it's like their hearts are so ready. They soak up the things of God. They just soak it up. You guys have actually been and are being, you know, the, the hands and feet, like literally, of God to these children. And that's, that's beautiful. What are the ages of your kids? The ages of the Bulgarian boys are 13, 10, and 7, but they're all very young for their age. They're not like typical boys that age in America. So they act more like, you know, 11, 7, and 4. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our the sibling group that, that we got in 2011, they are um, 12, 11, and 9, and then our son, who we got as a 13-month-old, he's the youngest, he's five. So do they all get along, or is there, you know, like the sister-brother bickering <laughs> that happens? They bicker a lot, but they get along really well also. They play together a lot, and, and they always have someone new to play with, you know. Mm-hmm. These two will play together one day, and these two another day. And, you know, so they do bicker, but it's it's not like all the time. That's good. Yeah, I I have two, and (laughs) which suddenly sounds so small. (laughs) 
Um, no, I think I, I raised two, and I think two is harder. <laughs> yeah, because especially I've, I've got more. Yeah, yes. Because, <laughs> because they, they get tired of each, each other. other. <laughs> they never get a break. They never get a choice of another playmate. Yeah. And when I raised my two girls, they fought all the time, <laughs> all the time. I thought they hated each other, you know. Uh-huh. So, how does this affect your music writing? Do you still write or sing? Um, yeah, well, we, we still do, not as much as, as we would, um, like, but, um, this, um, you know, it's time consuming just raising the, the whole family and, and, um, that's one of the hard things for us was just to, um, to stop, you know, uh, actively playing, promoting yes, the music. But, and so, um, we still do when, when you know, uh, important things or or uh, when we get it invited. And, and we don't prioritize that much. Um, we are also involved in church and we, we're doing worship. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, that's our how, you know, so it's just to, as long as we are connecting with the Lord and, and you know, music uh, it has become something secondary, but... Uh, um, um, in the future, you know, we're just, just praying and, and trusting the Lord for um, any any way or anyhow that He wants to to open doors. But um, we, we, we are at peace right now just um, raising the kids and serving as, um, as many things that we, we have in front of us. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, of worshiping, um, there's one more song that I would like to share with those listening. Um, it's your song called No Man. And when I heard that one, um, there's just something about that one that just, you know, grabs you from the stomach on out. <laughs> it's, mm, you know, mm-hmm. it's just the depth of it is is really beautiful, um, extremely worshipful. And, uh, I, you know, I would love to hear who, who wrote that one and, and what the story is behind that one. Um, I wrote most of that one. I don't know if we co-wrote it at all, but I, I think I had some of that written before I met Norman and then I kind of finalized it with him. It's nice working with him because he's very good with music and chords and um, uh, just putting arrangements together. So so he did a lot of the arrangement of the song. I don't, I don't get into that. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It was just, I remember I was sitting on my living room couch and the tunes kind of just came to me and those words I had heard those some some words similar to that somewhere and I thought wow that that would be a great song because I love I love that idea once again this one is called no man it is from uh, the album prodigal's return face and live and that's what I'm asking you that I might see your face and die to myself here I am oh God I'm broken before you I want 
That is just a powerful song. In the last few minutes that we have here, um, Lisa, you uh, alluded to writing, you know, some books earlier. Um, what books have you written? I wrote two books. One called The Tree of Life. It was really a book that I was writing for my niece and nephews. They were not raised in a in a godly home, and I used to teach them the Bible. And then my sister was moving away. She she left Atlanta with the children, and I knew I wasn't going to be able to tell them the Bible stories anymore. So I told them I'm going to write every story down into a book for you. And it took me actually a couple of years of research because I did the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but in chronological order. And I wrote it like one unified story. So one story goes into the next, goes into the next with, you know, some historical background and some fillers telling what happened in between how this thing got to this thing. So, you know, because the Bible kind of skips all over the place. It's not written chronologically. So I, I... put it like that for children and written and wrote it in language that children could read on their own and understand on their own. And then I published it, I think also when our, around the time that our, our CD came out. Okay. And then the other is both about abortion and it's really geared towards teens. It just explains the, the abortion process, what they do. And it, and it talks also about the development of the child. So they see that, this is not just some little blob of tissue, but they can see pictures and they see how quickly that baby is developing and forming and what the baby's doing. And then and also, you know, what kind of procedures are used to kill that baby. Mm. It's really, you know, geared towards teenagers to understand the whole background, how abortion got legalized. And um, so they can, you know, understand and make make a decision about it how they how they feel about it was that a difficult book to write yeah that took a lot of research also not as much as the the bible (laughs) story but that did take a lot of took a lot of research and knowing that that is something that you feel very passionately about i'd be very interested in looking at that one if people are you know interested in finding out more about you know your adoption experiences, the adoption process, or your books, your music, you know, where can they go to find out more about this? They can go to our website, thegreatreversal.com, and um, we have links uh, to Lisa's blogging and, and, and Lisa's story about, um, you know, adoption, books, etc. But um, uh, either one, thegreatreversal.com mm-hmm. will, will be fine, or... Um, the other one that's on uh, uh, that has our adoption blog is familygarcia.net. Familygarcia.net. Okay. Yeah, it has it has um, it also has a link to the music and it has the books and it has the adoption blog, and then thegreatreversal.com is mostly just the music, but it also has links to the blog and all that too. And speaking of the Great Reversal, I actually uh, wanted to ask where you guys got your you know the name for your band. Where did the inspiration for that come from? We were trying for such a long time to say, what do we want to call ourselves? And then one day Norman was reading, I think it was in the Message Bible, and he read the the place where it talks about Jesus saying that the first will be last and the last will be first. And all that was under the heading that they titled The Great Reversal. Mm -hmm. And 
said, what do you think about this name? And I just loved it. We both we both liked it. And we're like, oh, thank you, God. We finally can come up with a name because <laughs> we were, it was not happening for us. And, and just, you know, that whole rebirth attitude of if you want to save your life, you need to lose it. And anyone who wants yeah. to be first is going to be last. So that's, that's the great reversal. There is a lot of that through the scriptures, isn't there? <laughs> mm-hmm, yes. <laughs> very appropriate. Very appropriate. Well, I, I very much love your music. I have got the link right next to the podcast box here. So listeners, if you guys are you know interested, just click on the link. It should take you right straight to where you need to go to um, you know, read up more about the Garcias and... Uh, read more of their story, their blog, listen to their music. Um, they, they really do have awesome stuff. Lisa and Norman, I am so thankful for you guys taking time again out of your busy schedule, um, you know, to, to talk with us today. Thanks so much for having us. It was fun. It was nice talking to you. And, and we really like listening to some of your music, too, and you have a beautiful voice. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm still working on the rest of mine. <laughs> it's a yes, process, of course. That. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I love this, too, because this is such a... You know, it's it's not like I'm just uh, talking to people I don't know. I'm I'm talking to you know brother and sister in Christ over here, and you know right, part of the body, right. and we're all just working towards you know just furthering His kingdom here on earth, and it's beautiful. So right. uh, you know, I'm I'm glad to have um, you know been able to meet and talk to more of my extended family. Uh, so I really appreciate again you guys taking the time. Thank you. So listeners, next week. Uh, There's going to be another great artist being featured. I'm so excited to introduce him as well. In fact, just come back every week. There will be a new featured artist every Friday. Also, if you go check out my bio page, there is a contact form there where um, if you are a singer-songwriter or part of a band, or if you know of someone, or if you've even heard, you know, a Christian band that you just love, just go to my bio page, fill out that form with your name, your email address. If you have a website where I can hear some music that you've done, you know, please just get in contact with me. I would love to check it out and, and see if it's something that I can have on my show. Thank you guys so much again. I will see you next week. I hope you have a lovely day. Thank you.